This is episode 95 of the It's Not About the Alcohol podcast and part two of my conversation with Sherry Anna Boyle. If you're feeling stuck or stagnant in your life and you feel like you can't take action until you figure everything out, I want you to know that your energy is in there. Think of like a garden hose with a kink in it. When you are not properly processing your emotions, they get stuck. And just like the garden hose with the kink in it, the energy that's flowing through you can't get through. This conversation with best-selling author and energy healer, Sherrianna Boyle, will give you specific tools so that you can unkink your garden hose, if you will, and unlock the motivation you need to get out of your head and into action so you can create the life you deserve to be living. If you have not yet listened to episode 94, the first half of this conversation, pause this episode and go back so that you can get the context of our conversation as well as the seven steps to the cleanse method that Sherrianna created for emotional detox. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. If you're drinking 10 or more drinks per week and you have a high tolerance and that is undermining your willpower to drink less when you really want to. And because of that, you're secretly wondering if you're going to have to quit completely because you can't seem to stop once you start. Maybe the problem isn't that you just really love to drink. Maybe the problem is you've forgotten how to be alone with yourself. Living in survival mode has conditioned you to focus all your energy and attention onto your external problems. And so you've gotten in the habit of using alcohol to relieve your stress. And now you've lost that sense of connection with yourself and you don't really know how to get it back. Which means this isn't about the alcohol. And after helping hundreds of professional women reprogram their subconscious minds so they can live intuitively and with intention and have a deeper sense of purpose and connection and meaning in their lives, I can tell you the only thing stopping you from drinking like a normal person is bad information. It is completely possible for you to walk into a social event and see people instead of the bar line. And it's possible for you to say no to your favorite cocktail simply because you have an early morning instead of feeling like a two-year-old who can't have a sucker before bed. And it's also possible for you to absolutely enjoy drinking in moderation without feeling like you have to count or pace yourself or worry about losing control or overthink the whole thing. Pause this episode and get into the show notes and register for my free training on moderate drinking this Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I will lay out the roadmap 
the timeline and the tools that you need to stop overthinking alcohol so you can focus on what really matters and just drink like a normal person. And as we dive back into this conversation with Sheriana, we're going to begin by discussing what an emotional attachment is. It's sticky. It's an idea that you're holding on to. And she's going to explain the connection between attachments and addiction. You know, attachments, not just to things or money, but also relationships and all the trauma drama and all the stories that we like to carry around in our emotional set of baggage. Then we're going to move into why not processing your emotions makes you real tired. It's like leaving the dome light on in your car and then wondering why your battery is always drained. That's what we're doing to ourselves when we're constantly overthinking and our subconscious is processing things. So Sherianne is going to talk to us about the practice of detachment and what that looks like and how quickly you can actually restore your energy. Then she's going to introduce the spiritual laws of the universe. We're not going to cover them in depth, but just give you enough information to know that you might want to learn more about that because aligning your goals with the spiritual laws is what allows you to live in balance and harmony. And then Sheriana is going to talk about the small action steps that those of us who aren't yet ready to commit ourselves to, you know, spiritual laws and spiritual ways of being things we can do uh, that don't require a huge investment of time and energy. And finally, she's going to explain the radical shift that you will make when you, you move away from focusing on improving your willpower to improving your access to free will. So without further ado, let's get back to our conversation with Sherrianna Boyle. So I'd like to identify kind of that that tricky spot. I work with a lot of clients, and sometimes when life is so big and so bad, we can't talk about it, like what you were experiencing. I also feel like sometimes that is a place you also have to get to, Whereas a person who used to be talking about everything, because that's the best way to not feel, you know, I need to tell my sister and I need to call my mom and then I need to get a third opinion from somebody else and then we're going to wrap it all up and we'll talk about it later. But I am no longer that way. In fact, I find it painful to just give a three sentence update on things I'm dealing with that I need to tell people, you know, this is what's going on and this is what might come next, but I'm doing it for them, not for me. How do you help people who are still in that that pattern of reactivity where they want to go back and what happened 20 years ago and what if this would have happened and what, you know, and try to rewrite the past? I often say, let's move from what if to what is, but I struggle with clients to help them move out of that. I need to talk about this. And I need to go over and over it into what you're talking about as being the first step, which, you know, I know as a coach, storytelling comes after you fix the emotions. You don't want to tell a story on a sick, toxic nervous system. But how do you help people who have that urge? It's worse than the urge to drink, the urge to talk and stay in the trauma story. 
when I think and that's where energy and action applies and because it applies to those spiritual laws of the universe. So what I do is I show them how they're out of alignment with those laws. And that seems to help kind of break that state a bit. So we'll talk about that. And I'll also encourage them to use the cleanses in that specific book. Because what I was guided to do after I wrote Cleanse and Emotional Detox and the other two Emotional Detox books is I was guided to now add some light in. And the reason is where everybody has so many influences. I mean, when you have these social media is really running our society and huge. I mean, there's research on emotional contagion that all you have to do is look at a social media post and you can pick up that emotion. Now that person may be looking perfect, acting perfect, but let me tell you, underneath whatever they're doing, you can still pick up on the truth of the matter and whatever it is that they're feeling. They could be managing an emotion right in front of you. And you're tuning into that. You're tuning in to a reaction. And it's sneaky. So you have to watch it. But because it's such a dominant force in our society and we all have cell phones that we carry 24-7, that's when I was sitting, I heard, okay, now it's time to put in the light. I was like, you're kidding me. Now it's time. I just wrote three other books. And what you don't know is I was trained years ago in quantum healing. So I, I became a master level quantum healing person. I would do, it just means I, I took energy healing to the next level and I would do hands laying of the hands and all that kind of stuff. And I would help people. And I kind of walked away from that because I was so focused on emotional detox and helping people process. And it was like, they were saying to me, okay, now it's time to bring everything together and teach people how to work with light and how to clear their own energy and take care of it. So when people get into that, those storytelling and they seem like they are so attached to it. You know, that all works with the spiritual laws of the universe. You know, if you're attached to something, you're in a state of suffering. So you have to learn about the laws, learn and work with light and still processing your emotions at the same time. You don't have to say, oh, now I'm changing my plan. No, we're just expanding your plan a little Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Can you say more about attachment? Because that is also part of being human. We get attached to our people and our stories and who we see ourselves as in a situation. Can you say more about the lightness and the darkness of attachment and how to become more aware of it so that it's you can control it instead of letting it control you? I think the best way to become aware is to learn how to move your energy. So when you're in a state of attachment, whether it's attached to things or money or relationships or stories or narratives, again, it's a state of suffering, but it's also, it says that your energy in your body is not moving. It's, it's very slow. So we have very slow moving 
cycle. And again, it's kind of like picking up a bug from someone, but you don't know that you picked up a bug until a few days later. And you're like, oh, I think I might be coming down with something. Who was I around, right? And so that's what attachments do. You don't know right away, but then later on you might be like, gee, I'm a little tired or gee, I'm not feeling quite like myself or I feel a little off or I don't know, I'm a little edgy. I just having a hard time, you know, and that's, that to me is just like the slow. And then of course, if they don't, if you don't move the energy and you don't have the skills for that, which emotions are a form of energy, then it can turn into habits and then habits if it really gets rooted in there, it can turn into like dot, like feeling like if I don't do this, my life's gonna fall apart, kind of thing. And so that's how addictions kind of step come in, whether it's addiction to social media or alcohol or whatever is sex, you name it. But we're managing that low energy that's happening. In terms of, at of attachment, there's the spiritual law of detachment. And I believe after studying the laws that the laws are there to teach us how to move our emotional energy. And so you can't move energy and be attached to it at the same time. <laughs> you have mm. to move in. And so the light, if everybody could focus on, there's like a beautiful, it's called the pink ray of light. It's a very soft pink ray of light and all the rays, I'm not talking color, the color has measurement, rays of light are infinite. Rays of light are connected to the divine. They're overseen by ascended masters and archangels. When you connect to rays of light and then you work with the spiritual law of detachment. So you don't work with a law through thinking and doing. It's a feeling experience. You get to know the law. And, and how these laws work. So spiritual law of detachment, again, when you couple it, as I do in energy and action with the rays, the ray, pink ray of light carries vibrational frequencies of patience and compassion and unconditional love and divine love. And so when somebody's in attachment, it's almost like they're, they have a little malnutrition. <laughs> right? It's almost like they could use some vitamin C. They don't have enough to deep. They, it, we get attached because we subconsciously believe without it, we're nothing. Mm -hmm. So that says what we need is energy. So I teach it through the rays of light and energy in action. So I'd like to say, and then have you respond, like the way I think of attachment is like a belief, like you're attached to something. I think attachment is what is kind of the glue that is our emotions. I mean, that's what gives you emotions is you're attached to something and it is not what is the reality. And so there's, that's going to bring up all of the other emotions because this is not as it should be. And so I watch myself move through life and any emotional ripple I get really kind of goes back to I'm attached to something. Does that, is that the same thing as the universal law that you speak of? Yeah, that if you're attached again to identity, that I'm this, to outcome, all those kinds of things, that's what that, absolutely, you've got it in terms of 
the way that would play out in your life. And so detachment is a practice. It's not a, it's not a piece of Velcro (laughs) that you just rip apart and you're like, okay, now I'm not attached anymore. I'll just move on. It's a practice. We have to practice the spiritual law of detachment. We have to get to know it. Just like you get to know someone you might work with. You have to feel the energy of it. And I, again, I believe emotions are part of that. I don't see how you're going to learn, be able to really get to know detachment without feeling something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the way I've tried to work with attachment is to change. And when I move through my day, the goal of like we were talking about my podcast launch before that, not being attached to the results, but just focusing on the actions that I want to take. And of course, to have a goal, but to be attached to being present in the moment and doing the things I need to do, regardless of how I feel or how it looks on the outside. So if that's not attachment, what would that be? The other thing, and I'm just going to add this in, that we attach to is other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and how we do that is we want to manage them. I don't like it when you feel that way. Therefore, how can I make it go away? Yeah. And so, again, I'm, I, will, I believe it's the cleanse. You know, we have to first identify it and say, I'm in attachment. And what does that feel like when you're in attachment? What is that experience like for you? How do you know when you're in attachment? One of the signs is you focus on the past or you focus on the future and you're not really present or you let, you know, great. You have a great day with, let's say you throw a podcast out there and it does really well. What happens when it doesn't do so well? That's when you're really going to know if you have attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Attachments are really fun. Like I used to say, (laughs) I love getting addicted to things. Like the first 10 minutes or days of an addiction are so fun. It's when you realize, oh crap, you know, this is, uh, I'm going to have to give it back. I'm going to have to let it go. Yeah. I mean, we have the spiritual law of rhythm. I mean, we, there, there's ebbs and flows and everything. Yeah. With everything. I mean, I think we have this image and again, that's where social media, like everything's supposed to be sort of this straight line and there's never a, a dip and people just don't show you that side. But the yeah. law of rhythm, spiritual law of rhythm tells us you are going to go in one direction and you will swing back in the other direction. You won't stay there unless you believe you stay there, which is another yeah. attachment to a narrative or story. You will ripple back, but the whole point of heading in that other direction, which is the law of polarity, is you're really supposed to experience something completely opposite of what you're experiencing right now. So that when you do swing back, if you allow yourself to have that experience, you'll be richer, wiser when you return back to your center again. So this is just life. Yeah. Yeah. There's no success if you don't understand what failure is, you know, there's no love as we think of it if you don't understand what loss is. So that polarity is what gives you, it was what creates the part that you want and learning how to navigate the opposite is, I guess, realizing when you're attached. Do you have any 
you know, simple strategies for my listener who realizes that moment you realize you're attached, that moment you realized you, that you're stuck in the story and that you're projecting or going into the past, what is, what is, what do you do? What's the tool in your toolbox um, to get yourself into the right space so that you can proceed with your cleanse? Always say cleanse first, then. So that's always going to be my go-to. I think that if somebody has zero experience with cleansing, they haven't had a cleanse and they're on the fence or whether they want to be involved with cleanse or whatever it is, and they're just sort of at that dipping a toe in the water, I suppose, is what you're asking. And they realize that's me. I'm in this I'm in a state of attachment and I'm suffering or I'm struggling or I'm feel small or minimized or out of control or whatever that is. I think that I think awareness is huge. I think the fact that when people listen to podcasts, sometimes you are sort of in the listener role for a little while and it's okay to observe know your learning style, know what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Not everybody is designed to jump right in and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you aren't in the process and you're not part of the team. So I think sometimes we think if we're not in the class, then we're not progressing. But all it takes is one little shift, one little move And again, it could be just a little listening to something, reading a book, being willing to take a a breath, taking a a one minute practice with you. But what I would really want to say is focus on the infinite, focus on what you can't see. And I know that's scary, but that's where the laws are. You can't see them. Those are where truth is. And that's where you're going to get grounding. And that's where you're going to get a sense of meaning and purpose. It's not going to necessarily happen from what you can see. Yeah. So stop trying to make sense of it and start just moving into your body. Be curious. Be curious. Be open to what you don't know. Yeah. One Not, of my favorite questions is what would I, what do I want to do here? And what's the opposite of that? Let's just try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I want to reiterate what you said. So often we listen to podcasts and something makes sense cerebrally, but there is no learning without the experience. And so you can't just consume and then become. You have to consume and then you have to apply and create a connection with your body and self. Listening to a podcast and then maybe taking five minutes to journal or an hour to take a walk without another podcast in your ear and letting those things just marinate inside of you and connecting with with your physical body. I think that's the portal to the unseen, like you're speaking of, that's, that's the portal is going inward. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's outward. an experiment of detachment right there. Go somewhere without your phone. <laughs> oh, oh, 
<laughs> Nothing makes me feel like a tweak and junkie than I'll take a walk without my phone and the amount of times my hand goes to grab it because I need to listen or send or recheck or whatever. I'm like, dang, this is crazy. Yeah. Just that, that in itself is a practice. Just go for a 15 minute walk and don't have your phone or don't put it next to you when you watch TV or when you go to bed, just these little things and notice the feeling in your body and give yourself permission to feel that discomfort and know that that discomfort's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And we're just, our brains are, they're manipulated by these devices and there we have this thing where if we check it, we get this dopamine hit and we have to start to own our own energy again, and not let other people manipulate it in the way that they are. So that takes some strength. It does take being in a like-minded community, I think can help. Whatever that looks like, whether it's your local, I don't know, wherever you go, whether maybe it's the gym or something like that somewhere where people are taking breaks from their phones that can it can help you don't see it as much or whether it's people going to see a play or I mean there's always going to be those that just can't ever take a break but if you can put yourself in environments where it's more the norm than not like spiritual retreats things like that and I, I mean I offer a community online at once a week at night I take people in the rays of light which is I guide them into these practices and it's just my way of getting people together, getting them a space where they can build themselves up again. It's only 30 minutes. And then other things, I'm sure you have lots of things that you offer to Colleen where people can get that support if they need help. Just don't try to do it alone. And sometimes it's not, do you find this too, Colleen? Sometimes it's not like therapy where you need to go forever. Sometimes you just need a little tune-up. Yeah. Yeah, because what you're speaking of, it brings to mind, like when I work with women who are wanting to quit drinking, and they think that's the goal. I need to quit drinking, or I need to drink less. Like, it's all about the alcohol. Like, if I, if somebody was just listening to this, what's the one thing you could do that will change the way you drink? Put your phone away in the evening. Oh, like love that just that, like you don't realize how much of the way you're behaving and then the unseen, the way you're thinking and responding, this is a pattern. You're stuck in a maze. The alcohol's the cheese and you're the rat. (laughs) And if you put your phone away, just that one thing, which I'm terrible at, but I usually when I realize I'm suffering, that's the first thing I will do is I will go put my phone in the bathroom and then just let the shit fly, like uh, (laughs) tweaking and thoughts and all of this. And then I get to the other side where it kind of settles. And there's a whole different perspective and experience on the other side of you pulling your brain off of autopilot and no longer being the, the rat chasing the cheese. If you're not controlling your dopamine, it's controlling you. And so any behavior or pattern that you want to change, you don't have to focus on the willpower. Or change the, turn off those darn notifications. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those dings and those whistles. And I go around my house, I turn all my kids off. I'm like, who's ringing? Who's dinging? Turn it off. Because the worst is 
somebody else's ding, your cortisol levels will go up. It doesn't even have to be yeah, your ding. But it's kind of impossible. I mean, I put my focus on for this interview and I'm still seeing things that I don't know where to get to turn them off, you know, or I put my phone on do not focus and certain apps are still squeaking through and I'm like, for God's sake, stop it. But just taking that space is the door. And and then to speak to your point of plugging in with like-minded people who are also valuing the reclamation of their minds and body. It's not about willpower. It's about free will and your ability to choose what you're focusing on. And until you take back the power of your own focus, it's going to be a lot of suffering. Yeah. When you plug into a like-minded community that's regular, whether wherever that is, if it's a regular community, you have to think of it, or you're working with a coach, you have to think of it like having an accountability partner. And the research is very strong with that, that when you have accountability, meaning people are expecting to see you show up, that will is huge on breaking habits and making changes in your life. And it, it doesn't have to go on forever, but just enough to get you through that part where you might just be like, ah, whatever. I'll start, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. And it just keeps you on track, especially when it comes to something like what you do with the giving up alcohol, you know, Colleen, I just gave up alcohol. I just decided. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I've never been a big drinker. I've always, always been a one and done kind of person. And I just said to my family, I'm going to stop. I'm just, I'm all done. And it's, you know, I'm still funny. That was my biggest thing is, will I still be funny? (laughs) Because when I go out and I have a glass of wine, I can get pretty funny. And I'm like, there was a point where my family was like, are you sure you didn't just have a sip of water? I'm like, no, I'm just actually, I am funny. I don't need the alcohol. It's funny how we have this story in our head where, oh, I'm funny when I have a glass of wine. Like, no, no, you're I'm dull. Like, I'm, I'm I, so funny. <laughs> my best jokes are my sober mind. I feel like there's a seesaw of reality. The, the more alcohol you have on board, the more funny you think you are, and the less the crowd is really, you know. Yeah, they're kind of cringing, I think. Uh, and then in the opposite is the, the more sober I am, the sharper my wit I mean, I got to tone it down because not everybody who's drinking can keep up with, sometimes it's like Dennis Miller. I don't know if you know who he is, but you got to watch him slow and listen and then Google and then go back to what he said next. Like when my brain turns on like that, it's never because I was drinking. Exactly. Um, I think alcohol is the new cigarette. We were just talking about this last night where I think our children are, it's just not the same expectation that everybody's drinking. I mean, they have new addictions. Good luck to the next generation. But I think we're starting to realize, you know, with marketing that alcohol has just taken a playbook, a page from the playbook of big cigarette. And it's the one drink you, or it's the one drug you need a reason to not be drinking, but that's not even true. It's, but in some circles it is, you know, what do you mean you don't Mm -hmm. want? And when I was at Thanksgiving, my brother, for the first time, there we were all doing a toast. And for the first time, there was a bottle of sparkling water for the people who weren't drinking. Wow. Like if, you, if you just start thinking like that, if you're yeah. hosting an event, make sparkling water an option and watch how many people are like, cool, I'll do that. Yeah. And you feel good the next day. 
You don't have to worry like, oh, you know, I'm a little logy today. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Can you please tell the listener, I know you have a podcast, Just Ask Spirit, but explain Mm -hmm. the podcast, explain your Mm -hmm. books and where to find you. So everything's at sherriannaboyle.com, one-stop shopping there. The podcast, Just Ask Spirit's there, which is a podcast about spirituality and mental health. And the books are all there. Of course, you can find the Emotional Detox book series. Energy in Action is more on the spiritual laws and how they help us process emotions and how to do that. And then my Ray of Light circle, if you want to come try the circle and see how, if that supports you. Okay. So I will put Sherriana's information, contact information in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. And again, I want to reiterate, I highly recommend her book, Energy in Motion. Like I said in part one, it is currently my go-to. I'm looking and reading and implementing it every single day. It is saving my life, literally. So I highly recommend her book. And I also encourage you to get on my email list. I will put a link in the show notes for my insider email list because that is the only way that you can get access in real time to some of my free classes that I do. Also very low cost classes like my recovery storytelling workshop that's coming up again in January. I do that once a month. I also have a breathwork session once a month, which is a complete reset of your nervous system. And if you haven't tried breathwork, like I taught yoga for 20 years. I thought I understood breath. I thought I understood energy channels and clearing your nervous system. Oh, hello. I had no idea. And so I have brought breath work into my practice personally, and then also to all of my clients, no matter what level you work with me at, you are invited to attend to, to attend the breathwork class. And if you're not currently working with me in any way, then you can just pay a drop-in fee just like you would at a yoga studio. So I encourage you to get on my email list to stay connected with me so that you know in real time of what events are coming up on my calendar. And then I encourage you to connect with me on social media. I am at Recover with Colleen on Instagram and Facebook. I have a page there as well as a private group. I'm also on TikTok. I made my handle over there. It's not about the alcohol. So you can find me over there. I am doing the best I can to stay consistent on TikTok. But if you are running any sort of business, you know it's a lot of work to you know constantly be putting up reels. My primary focus is Instagram and, and Facebook. So we'll see as the new year comes uh, what I'm able to do on TikTok as well. So I encourage you to connect with me there because I'm always, I put a lot of thought and energy into my social media um, and it's always complimentary to what we're doing on the Facebook as well as just promoting the principles that I stand for. You know, I'm completely moving away from promoting myself as a sober coach and moving more into moderation. I just find that the sobriety and recovery community, they're just operating on a playbook. I don't want to play by those rules anymore. It is not that a period of sobriety isn't helpful to you. Um, if you are struggling with alcohol, it that is the shortest distance between A and B. But 
quitting alcohol because you feel like you have a problem or defining yourself in any way according to an identity that has to do with alcohol, whether that's drinker or non-drinker, that's a cul-de-stack that you're just going to keep running around. I call it the cul-de-stack of stupidity. Like the secret to transformation is to work on yourself at an identity level where you identify as a woman or a man, if you're a man, or however you want to identify, you identify yourself as somebody who's got your shit handled, who takes care of yourself, who has balance in your life, and is not this all or nothing, you know, perfectionistic mindset where you're burning the candle at both ends and then wondering why you have no energy and why, you know, your health is starting to go to shit as you get older because your habits are unsustainable. If you go upstream to the things that are throwing you out of balance, alcohol just falls into balance. It's like just another thing. You know, it'd be no different than defining yourself as like an ex-Diet Coke drinker. I mean, like whatever. If, if you want to have a Diet Coke, it's not a big deal. If you want to have a drink of alcohol, it's not a big deal. I define now the word sobriety uh, as a form of self-care. Like it's like sleep. The more you get, the better you feel, right? But it's not a lifestyle. It's not a thing. And part of alcohol use disorder, well, all of it, it's a thinking problem, not a drinking problem. And what I do with my clients is help them move from point A, where they're worried about alcohol and they're shifting their focus onto solving problems that alcohol is causing, into creating solutions. Like, again, how do I become a person who enjoys taking care of myself, who's focused forward, the best years are in front of me, where do I wanna be in a year from now, and what are the 365 steps I need to take to get there? Like, it truly is just a shift in consciousness that will solve the alcohol problem. That is what I do in my 12-week program. You know, you don't change the way you think overnight. And that is why it is so valuable and important to get yourself some coaching so that you have some direction and accountability and support and a community of like-minded badasses who are also rejecting the status quo. You know, one of the things we work on I'm putting something on social media this week about how it's the inner rebel. So many of the women I work with, they're like, yeah, but my inner bad girl just still wants to drink. And it's like, teach your inner bad girl how to be a real rebel. Numbing and dumbing yourself with alcohol is not it. Like, that's not actually a thing. That's a very childish um, rejection of like probably what your parents told you that you shouldn't be drinking you know, even though they were drinking. And so you understood there was this like hypocritical approach and your inner bad girl wanted to reject that. Well, that's fine and normal when you're 13, but it's not really working for you in your 40s and 50s and 60s. And some of my women are in their 70s. True freedom is being able to choose how to act in your own best interests. True rebels are rejecting the status quo. And that is what I teach women to do in my 12-week program. It really is 95% mindset. You know, if you're in the weeds with alcohol, yes, there's some things that once you know better, you're going to do better. And it's very important to take the time to detox your body and detox your brain of alcohol-related stuff. But that's just the 5%. And most people never go farther than that, which is why they spend time sober, they reset their tolerance, and then they go right back into old habits because as they feel better and alcohol is no longer a problem, they go back and 
over time, slowly, their subconscious beliefs about what it means to be a rebel or what it means to be free to have a drink starts getting corrupted. I teach women how to go all the way down to their identity level and quite frankly, grow the fuck up. Like grow up and embrace your own power. Stop giving it away. Learn how to get emotionally sober so that you're not intoxicated by your own bullshit, so that you are not, you know, uh, not putting up boundaries. You know, I know as a mother and as a wife and as an ex-wife, I often spent a lot of time having drinks because of what other people said and did. And that made me mad. It was like a bad version of a drinking game. You're an idiot. So now I have to drink or you did something wrong. So now I have to drink or I feel powerless and stuck because of what you said. So I'm just going to exchange my personal power for more drink tickets and numb and dub myself into oblivion. And then wonder why that's not going well. So if you are at all interested in working with me, I put in uh, something in, in the show notes is the masterclass sign up where I do lay out the timeline and the tools and the mindset strategies that you're going to need to change the way you think about alcohol so that alcohol is just not a thing. You can just drink like a normal person because you are focused forward. You are focused on being happy and working on your mental health. You know, truly happy and mentally healthy people don't drink themselves into a stupor. So if you do this right, you'll never have to do it again. So I encourage you to get in the show notes, get on my email list, sign up for the webinar or the masterclass this week. I do it Thursday at 1 p.m. And and get the get the perspective you need to look at this differently so that you can start up leveling in your life and you can actually move forward with these tools like I discussed with Sherrianna Boyle. You know, as long as you're drinking every day and feeling stuck, you're going to stay stuck. Like what what would it look like to free yourself? I love that song from the 90s, free your mind and the rest will follow. It's so flipping true. And I can help you with that. So thank you for listening and I'll see you soon.